During constant change, your leadership has never been more important to create a better and more inclusive world. You're listening to The Leadership Enigma, a podcast for the insatiably curious to explore the power of human-centered leadership to create real momentum for positive and sustainable change. Whether you're an entrepreneur, business owner, or corporate executive, each week we speak to global experts, academics, rising stars, ambitious upstarts, and disruptors as we discover that success leaves clues. Now, here's your host, Adam Pacifico. So welcome to another episode of the Leadership Enigma. But this is an exciting one because I am on location. That sounds very posh, doesn't it? But in the beautiful, tranquil country of Montenegro, somewhere I've never been before. And I think I'm doing something which so many leaders ask how they should do, and that's just stop and be still and in some ways refresh and recharge. And like always, I have to find someone who's far wiser than me to help me answer some of these questions as to why we don't do certain things. And so I'm with the absolutely wonderful Varan Rose, who is someone that's very special to me and my family. And someone I hope that will talk to us on a regular basis about the behavioral side of so much that we might take for granted in relation to how we work and how we show up at work, because it's such a big area, uh, such a big topic, I think, that, that people want to focus on. So I just want to say a massive hi to V, as I know and love her, and welcome to this On Location Leadership Enigma episode. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you for having me. It's, first, it's such an honor to meet you in person. I, I know. You have to explain <laughs> that. We've known each other for a year and never met in person. Yeah. So we've had an, an audio relationship, but now we're in beautiful Herzegovina, Montenegro. Um, working through um, a balance retreat so it's so lovely to have you here with me it's great it really is and so I can't do justice to your background and credentials so just help help everyone understand Mm -hmm. the focus you have and the the training that you have and the the work that you do okay so the background is a little interesting Um, I'm neurodivergent as well I'm a spectrum person and also with severe dyslexia and grew up in quite a complicated uh, family dynamic um, with lots of addiction and, and um, some quite, quite painful situations, family dynamics. And I couldn't get any help and unfortunately spiralled into um, long-term addiction with drugs and alcohol and was still searching and searching. And I couldn't really find any therapists to help me. They couldn't meet me. So I thought, well, I best become one. And at that time, I was uh, working outreach for vulnerable children in schools. I was was clean. I was a a mother. But I just hadn't really dealt with my core issues. So I went on to train, um, first of all, um, somatically. So I'm a conscious breath um, worker, really understanding why people don't breathe in their own lives. They're not still. They... They can't find any clarity, they're ruminating. So the first point of call for me was to understand what had happened to trauma in the body. Right. Uh, Went on then to train as a psychotherapist, uh, specialising in personality disorders, uh, narcissistic personality uh, disorders, borderline personality, and the impacts of trauma neurologically on the brain and for neurodivergent people. Um, Testing me to my character, that's not quite enough for me. have also opened up an online college training therapist um, in my new thought form therapy that was developed in the last two years to help people emotionally stabilize 
and as of two weeks ago, I'm now a qualified psychiatrist. So you are a doctor, doctor, Doctor Rose, w- which is amazing. <laughs> it's, a, it's huge. Congratulations Thank to you very much. your insatiable curiosity. Thank you. The reason that I just think this is so important is you know that I've been doing this podcast now for a long time, mm-hmm. and what's becoming a stronger theme now is the human being, right. as opposed to the human doing. Yeah that we're all achieving something and, and that can't be in any, any ways undermined because people have worked very hard but there's so much behind the facade, there's so much behind Absolutely. the doors and, and in some ways I'm, I'm a living example of that too. We've all got things that we're trying to deal with. And you've worked with my daughter and that's an episode that I hope will come out soon and it's just called one word, it's just called vulnerable. Yeah. Uh, and it will be very clear as to why it's called vulnerable and her story is actually very inspiring. But many people, I don't think, understand the term vulnerability, which includes me. So can you help us understand vulnerability and and how, in a leader, it's it's incredibly powerful now as an attribute, as opposed to something that might have been perceived Mm -hmm. as a weakness. So just help us understand vulnerability. Vulnerability is the ability to identify your own needs and have the confidence to ask people for what you need. That is it. That is the layman's terms of vulnerability. But the problem is, is most people don't realise they have any needs. They see vulnerability as a weakness, as as a mental health issue. Or somebody else's needs are more important than my own. Or this kind of almost judgement that my needs don't matter. I just get on with it. So vulnerability, actually, in society, up until Brene Brown, actually, she's very interested. She's done a lot of work, hasn't she? A lot of work, and the clinical research and the impacts of us suppressing vulnerability leads to extraordinary um, negative repercussions. It has negative consequences in our lives. Uh, So vulnerability is taking that time to think, what do I actually need for me in my life right now? Is it, do I need a better diet to rest? Do I need more balance in my relationships? Do I need more balance in my professional life? But we're on this cog, this constant, this constant cog, yeah. going on and on and on, where we're looking for external validation all of the time. And if we can meet somebody else's needs, then we feel good about ourselves, but often neglecting our own. And I've seen it time and time again, this is what tends to lead people into physical and mental health problems quite significantly and full disclosure i think i fall into that category of trying to be externally validated then sometimes forgetting actually a bit of self-care even if that's not eating right or traveling a lot and thinking i'm not sleeping properly and those are really basic needs basic aren't they so thinking about vulnerability Mm -hmm. v why do you think at the moment in our society is it still perceived as such a weakness? Can't be vulnerable, can't show anything, any form of weakness. First, I don't think people understand what vulnerability is. Because actually, vulnerability is very, very empowering. And when you understand that vulnerability is an opportunity for you to identify your needs to become the best version of yourself, it's better for you and your whole environment. So I don't think people understand truly the power of vulnerability. Okay. So, for example, if I said to you, Adam, could you identify some basic needs? And you said to me, well, I need to sleep more, and we put something in place, you're going to be better in every area of your life. So people don't fully understand that. Then it comes in disassociation. Right, tell me more about that. So 
we have an invisibility complex generally where we only see how we're doing by how people validate us externally. Okay. So we don't have that mechanism to say, actually, what, what is it that I value about myself? What are my successes? What are the attributes that I love about myself? And how do I take care of that? But also, how do I take care of the parts that are struggling a little bit? So I think most people don't have the ability to sit with themselves. You know, they're always distracting, 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 distracting. Busy, busy. Busy, busy, busy. And you can't really even get them to be in one room, let alone with themselves. So there's an enormous amount of disassociation. Also, I think most people are frightened of being vulnerable because there's a fear of rejection. There's a fear of shame or being perceived differently or your authentic self. And we have this wonderful way of masking, having this beautiful external presentation to the world. That to show somebody it's not quite what you think, that's a big risk. Emotionally and professionally, it's a huge risk. So vulnerability really comes from childhood programming. Right. Go on, say about this, because you you told me this, and I was quite surprised and quite frightened (laughs) at the same time. Well, I'm a behaviorist as well, so... I, I study behavior of adults and the brain is actually fully formed by the time that you're seven your personal identity is already fully formed yes and by the way V did say seven if you're thinking. <laughs> seven years yeah little person and that identity is formed from the narrative of your parents or the important significant people in your life so yeah. if they tell you you're sensitive or you're this or you're that you start to internalize that and develop a personality all before seven Seven, it's fully finished, it's done. Everyone who's a parent now is probably now <laughs> retrospectively thinking, hang on, what have I done? And, and yeah, it's fully formed. And if you're neurodivergent, that frontal cortex part, that central processing part is also missing. So you don't even have the ability to challenge that narrative. Right. You just live it. Which is me. Right. Which is you. Yes, <laughs> okay. me, absolutely. And, and actually, which is many people in relation to neurodiversity now. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So if you can imagine you've got this identity before at the age of seven and you're told who you are, some people will challenge it, which is when they start to have behavior issues or imposter syndrome or starting to rebel. They don't want the identity they've been given. If you're neurodivergent, you're just going to suffer that identity. You just take it on. You take it on until you have a breakdown. Right. (laughs) Some sort of crisis. Or you realize I'm exhausted, I've got, uh, I'm exhausted life syndrome. Yeah. I, I'm not living my quite, the life I'm, I'm supposed to be living and I can't quite work out why. Okay. So it really only really, I mean, there's, there's nuances, there's, yeah. there's layers, but really that's the two paths. Either I'm going to rebel or I'm going to suffer it. And many people just suffer it, right? The planet. Yeah. And this is where we see drink, drugs, alcohol, addiction, burnout. Uh, mental health issues is because most of us don't challenge our own identity and our own needs. And are you seeing an increase in, in those, in, yeah. in the work that you do, which is heartbreaking, but are you, are you seeing that increase? Yeah, I mean, one of the reasons why I went into private practice is because the NHS was so overwhelmed in Britain. I mean, obviously yeah. I live in Montenegro now, but the NHS was bursting at the seams right. and I was starting to get more and more and more referrals to the point where I'm actually booked now to June 2024. Okay. Uh, full caseload over 100 patients per month, 100 right. clients per month. And what you can now see is most waiting lists now can be up to a year before even an assessment for somebody. Which is not helpful if someone's in crisis. 
because in a year's time that could be something very different again. Again, while we're seeing the rate of suicides, particularly in men, it is it's sadly and profoundly on the increase, yeah. um, which is why we're also seeing dependency on pharmaceutical yeah. or opiates or street drugs. And it's understandable because if we're all walking around with these false identities in these false lives, feeling ashamed of ourselves, and you've got to wait a year to speak to somebody, you can't carry that. It's impossible. Hence why I train therapists now getting more people out there. And the reason I wanted to chat to you is because this impacts people across the board. This does not matter in relation to what demographic you might be in or think you're in, or from an ethnicity perspective, or a regional perspective, or a a wealth perspective. This really doesn't care, these kinds of issues. And someone described leadership to me uh, in a way I I really love that resonated, was that leadership is the promise of a lived experience for those around you. Mm -hmm. So if we're not taking care of our needs, that will have an impact on those people around us. Dramatically. And if, if needs are addressed and you say we can be better at performance, even if that's better sleep, better diet, um, better work regime, whatever, you know, or, mm-hmm. or, or exercise, what, what can we say to leaders at the moment who are thinking about how to address their needs? They might be in charge of many thousands of people, many billions of dollars, and that weight of expectation is great, mm-hmm. but they're still human and they still have needs regardless of who you are, where you are, what you do, how should people approach vulnerability right now? It's such a good question, and you're absolutely right. It has, there is no, there is no way to say it's in this category or the other. It is a global issue, it's a human issue. Yeah. It's, it's a collective issue. I think for leaders, the first thing is to get them to unplug themselves and I'm going to come on to that. Easier said than done for many, right? They're all listening, or hopefully thinking, how? How do I do that? To create some space, even if it's for 72 hours, okay, and lean into that space of quiet. And quietness and stillness is a very difficult thing when you're a high performer, very difficult thing to achieve, but it's to turn that phone off, to turn the iPad, to not listen to the news. The simple thing is take yourself away for 72 hours Try to be with yourself for 24 hours will be a challenge right. without distraction. That alone is going to be difficult enough for most people. But then to think, how am I actually doing? How am I doing mm. in my life right now, emotionally, physically, spiritually? How am I doing? And who in my life is helping me be the best version of myself? Do I have the right people? Or am I giving out more? You're real, the real people to you. real, authentic people in my life, which most people should have three. See, that's an interesting one, isn't it? Because some people are meeting people and engaging with people by the dozen, by the hundred, by the thousands, day after day after day. They may be in charge of global organizations with 150,000 people. And, And yes, there is a desire to provide and make sure whatever they do as a you know, a working entity provides for all of these people. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, the leader might have the people, but who's got the leader? That's right. And I see that a lot, actually. Right. It, it tends to be top of the food chain. I'm sorry to address it like that, but we have to be realistic. Yep. It's people that have that enormous amount of pressure to make sure that performance is met. And I quite often see that they're in personal crisis themselves and can't identify it. And that's why they're busy, busy, busy. Anything not to be with themselves and focus externally. But they're human. 
they're actually a human being. Sometimes with expectations which aren't quite human. Of course, and um, these are brilliant people, absolutely brilliant people, creative people, strong people. But I, I always question, when was the last time you just unplugged? And they're like, what do you mean by that? It's a strange question. Yeah. What are your needs? No, no, I'm here to... They don't, can't really see themselves. I don't think people have them, even the understanding or the mechanism to work out for themselves, what are my needs? because I think in some ways it feels maybe nebulous to people or they can't pin it down to the detail. Right. They just think, needs? I, I don't have any, I'm good. Right, and that's where you can, you can do self-care assessments. I mean, there are things that you can even find on, on, online if you're curious and find these really good quality self-care assessments. And they're quite shocking when you go through them right. because you'll start to see the imbalance is quite significant in certain areas. And generally, it's, it's spiritually, it's emotionally, we neglect ourselves. You can see people that are in the gym, they're eating well, they're training well, they're doing this. But when was the last time they actually sat and focused on their breathing, on their joy, on their happiness, or their childhood Gratitude. Self? Gratitude, which we know changes the brain. We know it energizes, it's restorative to the brain. Yeah. When was the last time they actually appreciated what they were doing, the person that they were, and the contribution that they're making in the world? And all these people, I doubt it. I'm sure this is resonating with lots of people. It certainly resonates with me because, you know, one of the things I'm guilty of is busy, busy all the time, and we've we've had this discussion. And I think what is absolutely clear for people to understand is that we're talking about this kind of thing is actually really about their high performance. Right. So much is talked about high performance, but sometimes it doesn't talk about these elements mm-hmm. to high performance. Mm-hmm. And uh, another question, and we, we'll talk more about this in other episodes. But another question I want to talk about is. Why do we find it so difficult to just stop? Be still. Because most of us don't like ourselves. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's it. When you scratch beneath the surface, you'd, most people would rather be with somebody else or doing something else because when they're with themselves, it's not enough. To be with yourself is not enough. So we don't have that interpersonal relationship. We don't have that connection, that friendship with ourselves. I've tried to, I did an experiment once, and these were very, these were, these were you know, CEOs. Yeah. Um, and I said, could you just sit for an hour and not do anything? It was the longest hour of their lives. You would have, it was like me saying to them, right, we're going to donate all your blood today. They were literally clawing. Cats on the hot tin roof. Oh, it's an hour. Right. It's just an hour. What was it, what was so difficult for them? So these CEOs, mm-hmm. as you say, they're, they're, wired to deal with stressful difficult situations all the time but all you said was just be still for one hour because again they're attached to the world it's they don't really see themselves how unique they are how special it's they see that through doing it's it's action and validation validation so just to sit and have no one validate you no action no distraction and just focus on your breathing. You thought I was torturing them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and what, what insight did they get at the end of that hour? Was it beyond just, I can't do this, or this is hard, or? It was very interesting, actually, because um, it was a group of seven, and two actually realized they were quite unhappy in their lives, and that's why they didn't want... To stop and think about stop. it. They right. were actually quite unhappy, and tired, and burnt out. The others decided they just didn't like themselves. 
what was I'm really quite dull. Right. If I'm not at work, I have no personality. Well, that also almost defines them. Right. That yeah. was their persona, that's their character. But then when we broke it down even more and we went into childhood, they actually didn't know who they were outside of their professional realm. Right. They had no value. Again, that's the definition yeah. piece, isn't it? Perfection. Perfectionism, achieving, I'm successful. If you sit in a chair, you're none of those things. You're sitting in a chair. <laughs> I, remember, I remember working with one CEO of quite an iconic business, and I remember incredibly successful global business coming out for retirement, and I remember one of the things he was most frightened of was that if he wasn't the CEO of that business, who was he? It's a loss of identity. Complete loss of identity. And do you see that as well with also people who are in the public eye or people who yeah. are in some ways known for something? They're yeah. known for the arts, they're known for sport, they're known for that if they don't do that, they and sometimes they, they don't know who they are anymore. They don't know who they are, and it's, it's a bereavement. A, a loss of. It's a loss of identity, right. it's a loss of those connections, it's a loss of status, yep. it's a loss of success in their eyes. So when people try to transition from being very successful, my heart is, is so with people that are very successful because the, tra the, tra the transitions are brutal. Right. Because it's like a death. Even though they might have all the trappings of success. It doesn't mean anything. It's right. like a death. Right. I'm nothing anymore. What will I do and just be a normal person walking down the street? It's frightening to people. And that shows us where we really are in our own self-worth. I need all of that to help me be something. And we've seen that play out with, with some very high profile people, haven't we, where they are, they have everything that people think you could ever want in many lifetimes, but yet they are deeply troubled and, and sometimes turning to, as you say, alcohol or narcotics or, or just a bad way of living. They're lonely within themselves. Yeah. That's it, people are just lonely within themselves. They have no friendship or relationship with themselves. You know that one, something I'm passionate about is human-centered leadership, yes. and I've got, you know, and this is me, this is my point of view, and one of those components is vulnerability, and mm -hmm. I, I hope I, w I will release the episode with Olivia, my daughter. I think right. it's powerful, you've listened to it's it. gorgeous. Um, and she's now thriving, even through the challenges she's had and the challenges that we've had as a family. Um, but let's kind of, this on location Montenegro special, <laughs> and if you can hear cars and People. leaf blowers and leaf blowers, that's People hopefully arriving. all part of the, the beauty of being on location. Um, let's finish on kind of a, uh, a little message of hope. So people listening to this, and they are leaders in small, medium, large businesses. Mm -hmm. doesn't matter whether you've got yourself to lead or others or globe, it doesn't really matter. What can we do to get people to start to stop and take some time to reflect in their busy, busy lives? I think just ask yourself the questions, do I actually matter to myself? Okay. And the grenade will go off and watch it. If you actually stop and say, do I actually matter to myself right now? Everything will unravel. And then it's taking that time the most key thing to sit with that whether it's for 20 minutes and have the courage to really sit with it it is courage it's an act of courage to be with yourself it's a, the ultimate act of courage is to decide i'm going to get to know me and that would be my message to people do you okay. really matter to you v what i want to do is i i'm going to keep going on about the human centerpiece and what i want to be able to do is to come back to you 
and ask you to help me unpack some of the behavioural mm -hmm. side of things because I just think this is incredibly important because I'm talking to leaders all over the world about human-centred leadership, but I also feel as if I need to know a little bit more in order to help those leaders. Yeah. And it's just in some ways the basics to get people started or to get people to stop and reflect. And again, I just reiterate, I am asked so often by companies, can you just get my leaders to stop? Can you just get them to strategically think? Can you just get them to slow down? And in a world that is bonkers, where there are demands every second and that there is change every hour of every day, things beyond our control, I think this might be one of the most difficult things for anyone to do. It's almost, I think without an intervention, in most of our lives, impossible. Right. There has to be somebody that comes into your life and says, what's going on with you? And for most of us, it takes a huge crisis, huge crisis. I'll always consider Olivia your gift <laughs> yeah. to your family. There's an episode there as well. <laughs> She's a gift yeah. because she made everybody stop. And I think for most people, they don't care enough to stop. So look out for your big lessons. <laughs> look out for your big lessons. I think that's great advice. So what we'll do is we'll, we'll, we'll come back to V. Um, we'll talk more about this, we'll dig under the surface, and we'll also have guests on, I hope, who will also talk about, you know, we're, we're talking now about some people who are going to come on and tell their stories, and, and these might be people who externally you might think they've got it all, they've achieved it all, Absolutely. but actually they're human, and they've struggled with much of this, and I hope that we're going to hear from some people where it becomes very real, very tangible, uh, and very transferable. Thank you so much for Thank doing this. You, have a wonderful day. Join us again next week for more tips and strategies on the Leadership Enigma. We'd love to hear your comments on today's show, as well as suggestions for future topics and guests. Get in touch with your host on LinkedIn or our YouTube channel. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on all your major podcast platforms. Thanks for listening.